Father, we thank you for your wisdom, your understanding. We thank you for the scriptures. As we go through this book, as we hear from you directly, because we know that you told John what to write, and we're just reading what you told John to write. And so we know uh, that this is what takes place. This is the future for us now as we begin chapter 4. We're grateful because we trust you, Lord. And we pray that you would open our ears to hear what you would have to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Usually on the last Sunday or the first Sunday of a new year or the last Sunday of an old year, I'll, I'll go into a prophecy update. I'll discuss things related to uh, prophetic things taking place. Um, but, you know, we don't have six weeks to discuss... <laughs> all of the prophetic things taking place in the world today. It's, it's almost crazy how many things are taking place and how we, uh, you can't just say, oh, this is exactly this or this is that person or this guy's the Antichrist. Man, half the people I know are Antichrist, you know? And, and so, you know, we don't have that direct knowledge of people and events and things and so on and so forth. But what we do know is that we live in the season. You know, here in Arizona, when we say it's winter time, I wear a long sleeve shirt <laughs> because it's winter. And, and uh, you know, so here in Arizona, winter means something different than people living in Boston. You know, they know what winter is from a different perspective, you know. And, and here, it's like, okay, it's winter still. The season is still the same, uh, but the impact it has is different in various locations throughout our country. And the same thing when we know the season that we live in, the last days, is a season that we're living in. And, and we're told we don't know the day or the hour, but we know the season that we're living in based on Scripture. And because we're living in this season, it will impact people in different locations differently. Especially people walking with the Lord and people not walking with the Lord. You know, uh, people in New England aren't walking with the Lord. Look what they're experiencing there. With No, I'm kidding. There, there are some people walking. They have heat in their houses. But there are other people that are not walking with the Lord, no matter if they're living in Arizona or wherever, that are experiencing things differently from a different perspective than we are. Because we have confidence. We have peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding comes when we trust in him. And at this 
point, at, at this venture of life for me, that's all I have to trust in because everything else is faulty. Everything, whether it's the economy, whether it's people, whether whatever it is, it's faulty. You know, I, I have a new car. One day I went out after church. It didn't start. And I'm like, hang on, this is a new car. How come it didn't start? Well, because the battery was dead, you know. And so I jump-started it, drove, got a new battery, and I'm on my way again. Probably today I'll go out, it'll be dead again. Who knows? But things that we expect to happen don't always happen the way we expect. But we have confidence, we can have peace. The world doesn't have that. So as we read scripture, we should look at it in that perspective, that we recognize what's going on because we have a scriptural view of what's happening. Our perspective is based on scripture, not on the internet. Because if my, my faith was built on the internet, I'd be in trouble right now, right? I, I would be in panic because of all of the things that are, you know, um, aliens could land any day and take me away. And, you know, and, and then some people are saying, please take me away, you know. <laughs> There's different perspectives when you consider that. But ours is the only one that has a hope of spending eternity with God and our Savior Jesus who saved us from the eternity that we were on our way to until we accepted him as Lord and Savior. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came because the world was condemned and needed a Savior. And so he came and he took us out of that condition and brought us into the condition of being saved. Isn't that a good feeling? That gives us peace, regardless of what's going on in the world. That can give us peace. So we're going to see a change in perspective now as John is writing. He had been writing previously about things on the earth from an earthly perspective. The seven letters to the seven churches were an earthly perspective of what was going on. But now, in chapter 4, he changes perspective. He is also you know, going to speak about the earth, but it's going to be from a heavenly perspective. And so when we see things from a different point of view, we get to see behind the scenes, the th- scenes that are actually uh, taking place. It's, it's like Paul Harvey. We're going to hear the rest of the story uh, from this heavenly perspective. This revelation reveals to us that God knows everything that's going to happen before it happens. You know, when we do something and, uh, you know, we think, okay, well, God, didn't you know this was going to happen to me? God knew. 
he was actually waiting for it to happen in some cases just so that we can learn from it so that we can grow from it so that we can trust him through it god knows all of those things so anytime we ever get that impression in our head god why didn't you warn me oh i did but you didn't read it i warned you over and over again you're just not reading what I told you. And so now, if you want to turn to page 1244, you can read what you can do to get out of this. Now, don't turn to 1244. It's not really there. I just made that up. Today's message is titled, Come Up Here. We're going to speedily go through all of chapter 4, verse 1. So, uh, that's all we're covering today because it's an important verse. It's an important verse. We continue now in our study with Revelation 4, verse 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here. And I will show you things which must take place after this. So John begins with a door that is open in heaven. I, I thought there were gates. What's this door? You know, we, we have 12 pearly gates. You know, each gate is made out of one pearl. We're looking forward to the pearly gates to Peter there with his log. He'll, he'll, he'll have a tablet. He'll have learned how to use it by the time we get up there and check in with Peter. There, there's nothing in the Bible about Peter checking people in at the gate, but it's a kind of a cool image, right? Um, you know, I, I can't wait till they show that on Chosen. Um, so, I believe this door is Jesus because he calls himself the door. He says in John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He's the door. He's the way in. And we now, as he's talking about pasture, we kind of get an idea of what he's talking about. Shepherds in those days, to keep their sheep in uh, the sheepfold, they would set up the sheepfold and then they would have an opening where they would come in and out of, the sheep would come in and out of. Uh, but at night, he wants to protect them from escaping from leaving and, and he would lay in the opening of that sheepfold he would be the door and the sheep wouldn't leave they wouldn't cross over him to leave the opening and so they would all stay in the sheepfold and so literally the shepherd is the door to the even though he's not standing up there like this he's laying down sleeping and that was enough to keep the sheep in uh, the sheepfold. Are we in the sheepfold? Are we the ones? It, because the good news is that 
if he's the door, our door, and we enter by him, then we're saved. And then we will go in and out and we'll find the pasture because he's going to lead us there. Um, That's good news. And then he's standing in heaven, it says, and his voice is like a trumpet calling us there. Come up here. And we hear more about a trumpet in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, where we read, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. I'm going to pause there for a second. There are some people that believe in the rapture of the church. That's what this verse is talking about, Revelation 4.1. That's what this verse is talking about as we're reading here in Thessalonians. It's talking about the rapture of the church. Many people have different perspectives of what the rapture of the church means. Some believe that it is an event that takes place pre-tribulation, before the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. Some believe that it's in the middle of tribulation, so we're going to get beat up a little before God comes and then takes us off the earth. Some believe it's post-trib, so God is going to allow his bride to be completely trampled, beat up, destroyed, and then he's going to bring us to heaven. Which bride do you want to be? So, um, you know, it doesn't matter which perspective you believe or even if you believe in the rapture at all. Some people believe the rapture isn't taught in the Bible. There is no teach. Well, I'm getting this from the Bible. I'm not making this up. I didn't write this in. It's in your Bible too. That's why I encourage you. Bring your Bible. Read along. And we'll, we'll read it together. See, here's the thing. Uh, Some people say, oh, well, this is just a new idea, the rapture. It just came out the last couple of hundred years. Darby, you know, he was the one that came out. No, no, no. Darby read Paul and said, oh, rapture. This is an event that's going to take place. And so he didn't invent it himself. He figured it out. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And that's the trumpet, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Another thing that I want to reveal at this point, there's some people, Christians, believers, I have a pastor friend that believes wholeheartedly that When the rapture happens, our bodies are going to stay behind and only the spirit is going to go to heaven because bodies are impure or whatever the case, whatever the reasoning is, that's what he believes. And he sold out on it. He believes it and and you're not going to change his mind. I'm okay with that if you want to believe that. That's not my understanding of the Bible. That's not my reading of Scripture. That's how come when I read, it says the dead will rise first. 
the dead in Christ will rise first. What's rising? You see, we know that when we take our last breath on earth, it's followed by our first breath in heaven. What's breathing? Well, that's our spirit, right? We're going to be in heaven spiritually, but our body is going to stay back here because it's not prepared for heaven yet. Our body isn't. So the body stays behind, but when the rapture happens, the dead in Christ will rise first. So what's rising? Their bodies. And so if the dead bodies are rising, I imagine we are going to follow because it says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Woohoo! Good news, right? So they're going first because they're dead. I don't know why, but they're going first. And then we are going to follow them, and we are going to be part of the rapture. We're going to be changed at the same time with them into a new creation, an incorruptible body. But the good news is this, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's the good news. We will not be separated from him ever. We're going to be with him. And so when he comes back in the second coming, after seven years, after this event takes place, we're going to be with him. We're going to be riding horses. Woohoo! What color horse do you want? Uh, so we're going to be riding with him and we're not going to have to do anything. We're not going to have to put up a fight. We're not going to have our swords out or anything. He is going to win the battle of Armageddon using the word. He's going to speak. And he's going to defeat the enemy. This enemy has caused so many problems over the years. He still causes problems in each of our lives. When bad things happen we can be sure that it's not God causing bad things in our lives. Bad things happen because we're human. And bad things happen. Uh, the sun shines on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. We all equally as humans experience life. It's what we do with it when we experience it. Is it um, going to inundate us? Is it going to overwhelm us to such a point where we don't function? Or do we give it to the Lord and say, you know what, God, I know this is a struggle. I know I may even die from this, but you know what? I'm not worried because I know my last breath is going to be followed by my first breath in heaven. I'll be right there, you know, enjoying everything that is prepared you know so i don't have fear of leaving this earth the rapture doesn't give me fear 
Oh, I'm going to do, what happens if I take a wrong turn on the way up? What, what if I hit a plane on the way up? You know, what, what, I, you know, I can get panicked about all these silly, don't we get panicked about stuff? Of what's going to happen? Or what, what do I do if? I, I found that if I just ignore all of my conscience, the things that go through my mind, they never happen actually the way that I always imagined them. Oh, this is going to be so bad. Uh, you know, um, the, the only thing I'm worried about right now is whether or not my car is going to start when I'm done with service. Um, see, that's, uh, that's how silly we can get. We can, oh, well, I spoke it into existence. No, you didn't. Uh, you, you're, just, uh, you, you're just letting the enemy have his, have his way. So the rapture, the word rapture, comes from the Greek harpazo, um, and then the Latin. Uh, do you know Latin was used in Jesus' day when he was crucified? They wrote uh, King of the Jews. Uh, they wrote it in Latin and in Greek and Ar- uh, Armenian or Aramaic or, yeah, Aramaic, on the plaque, you know, so that it was covered. So Latin was common, in those days, uh, but the the writing of scripture wasn't common. Uh, Latin wasn't uh, very common uh, until it, it was redone in 400, I think it was A.D. And so, the word rapturo, rapture, is in Latin. It's not in Greek. It's harpazo in Greek, uh, but it's the same thing. And in the Bible, there are many uses of that word, and it always means the same thing. A snatching away, a removal, uh, a taking out of the situation. And that's where we get the term rapture. So you can't find the word rapture in your English Bibles. If you're reading a Latin Bible, you'll see it. Uh, Okay, so anyone have a Latin Bible? No? Okay. So I I just automatically assumed that no one did. So uh, here's the other good news. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Why would we be told to comfort one another if it was a scary event, if it was a frightening event, if it was something that was uh, going to be negative for a Christian. Well, it's not negative, it's positive. That's how come we're supposed to comfort each other with these words, with the rapture. So Paul provides more detail on this rapture in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. He writes, Behold, I tell you a mystery. What is a mystery? A mystery is something that's unknown and then it's revealed of what it is that was previously unknown, and then it's told. It's a mystery. So like whenever you watch a mystery on TV, at the end of the show, there's always, it tells you what the mystery was. It uncovers the mystery. And so here he says, I tell you a mystery. So now he's going to reveal what the mystery is. We shall not all sleep. Now, some of us know what that means because we didn't sleep really well last night. Uh, and, but he's not talking about sleeping. He's talking about dying. 
we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. And the older you get, you realize that that's how come they make depends. And uh, so you, you will be changed. Um, no, this is talking about changed from this body into something different. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, another trumpet. A trumpet sounding. Why is this the last trumpet? What does that mean? Oh, there's all kinds of people that speculate. Oh, it's a series of trumpets and this one and that one. No, but if I'm in the rapture, the last trumpet I'm going to hear is the one that says, come up here. That's the last trumpet I'm hearing that matters to me as a human. I'm going to be taken up out of here. I'm going to be changed. And then, from then on, the trumpets don't matter. You know, it's just, what are they going to do? Blow a trumpet for dinner? You know, okay, hey, is it? All right, I'm, I'm on my way. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And so, the dead will be raised incorruptible. They're going to be perfected. They're going to be changed. We're not going to be... See, corruption can't enter into heaven. So we have to be changed into bodies that can... Now, see, we know that there were certain people like Enoch and Elijah who went to heaven and they didn't leave their bodies behind. They went to heaven and their bodies were changed, obviously, so that they could live in heaven because they weren't perfect um, human beings. They were sinners just like all the rest of us. There was only one human that ever lived who was sin-free. That's Jesus. But then he took the sin of the world on himself so that we had access all we have to do is take his righteousness on ourselves, and then we can be seen as righteous. We're going to be allowed to be qualified and enter in. So that moment is going to be quick. Twinkling of an eye. And, uh, you know, that's so quick, it's like how, how fast light moves. That's how fast your eye twinkles. And then we're going to have immortal bodies. And we'll see everything at that point from a heavenly perspective. Now, I don't know that we're going to be able to see earth. I, I don't think we will. And the reason why is because if we saw what was going on on earth, it would break our hearts. And I don't think there's going to be that kind of sadness in heaven. In the presence of God, there'll just be joy. Uh, we're... We're going to be saying, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I made it. You know, we're going to recognize that we didn't deserve to be there. You know, sometimes we live here and we think, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I, I kind of deserve, you know, and then, you know, then I brush my teeth because I had just woke up and realized I'm still dreaming because... None of us deserve 
what Jesus did for us. But he did it for all of us. He did it for everyone, and he would have done it if it was only you who brushed your teeth in the morning. So from this point on, in chapter 4 through chapter 21, there's no mention of the church in the book of Revelation on earth. This is important because people that try to spiritualize what we're talking about, uh, trying to make chapter 4 verse 1 something that happened in 70 AD, it doesn't fit. It doesn't qualify because there is no mention, once again, of the church. It's mentioned in 19 times in chapters 1 through chapter 3. 19 times the church is mentioned. Chapter 4 through chapter 21, zero times. Chapter 22, one time. And that's it. So we know that these are the things that are taking place that are without the church because the church isn't here. In chapter 1, verse 19, Jesus tells John, write the things which you have seen, the things that are, and the things which will take place after this. And so the things that he has seen, things in the past, the things that are were the seven letters of the seven churches, and now the things that will take place after this. That's what he's telling him in verse 19, uh, in chapter 1, verse 19. And then he said, come up here and I will show you the things which must take place after this. And so we've reached that point of after this. And so from now on, we're talking about future events. The word wrath is mentioned 11 times in the book of Revelation, uh, describing events during the tribulation. We know that God didn't pour his wrath out. He doesn't pour his wrath out on the children of God. There will be wrath in our lives from the enemy. He'll send trouble our way, but it's always limited and restricted by what God allows. And sometimes God allows, you know, the enemy to cause trouble for us. Why? Because it makes us go running for the Lord. If we didn't have any trouble in our lives, we wouldn't look to the Lord. We'd be like, hey, I'm good. I don't have any problems in my life. Everything's really good, so um, God must be blessing me all the time. So I can do what I want until God stops blessing me. And there are many people in the world right now that are living that way. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. They don't know God. They don't understand scripture. And they're living happy lives because the enemy isn't going to mess with them. The enemy already has them, so he's not messing with them. I don't know why the devil picks who he picks, when he picks. He 
he's not doing it by himself. He doesn't come to Fountain Hills during you know, winter and, and come here to cause trouble in Fountain Hills. Oh, I can't wait till May when he leaves. You know, he, he has demons that do his work for him. Remember, he's not omnipresent. He is not in all places at all. He's in one place. He's limited in where he can go and what he can do. But he has lots of fallen angels that are doing his bidding, that are out there causing trouble, and sometimes they impact our lives. Folks, if you're a believer, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, invited him into your heart, you cannot be demon-possessed. I want you to be sure of that. Don't go trying to cast demons out of the person behind you because they don't sing very well. You know, because it's probably me. But um, it's the fact that we cannot be inhabited. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. So uh, the Holy Spirit isn't going to allow a demon to move in. So uh, I, I want you to be sure of that. I believe we're living in the days where this event, this rapture, will take place. I believe it could be at any time. Jesus gave us examples of what to expect in the last days. In Luke 17, 26, he said, as, <clears throat> excuse me, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the Days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They, gave into, uh, they were given into marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And so I believe that we're seeing that right now in the world, you know, that uh, the warning is out there. Noah gave warnings of what was coming. They didn't believe it because they had never seen rain before. And he said, oh, it's going to rain. And it's going, what's rain? Well, who knows? I don't know. But it's coming because God told me to build a boat. Here it is. And they, you know, didn't believe. And so they got destroyed by the rain, by the water that came. The world is more concerned about climate change than it is about Jesus coming to take the church home. And uh, there's going to be some climate change. When we read the book of Revelation, we're going to hear all about it. Things are going to get a little toasty. You know, there won't be a flood, but there'll definitely be some conditions that change. So people are going around their lives, they're doing what they're doing. Another example Jesus gave to us to recognize the days that we're living in is the days of Lot. Jesus said in Luke 17, 28, Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Sodom and Gomorrah were known for their sin, for their sinful lifestyle. Sexual sin was their primary issue. They had sexual sin, homosexuality. They wanted to uh, 
um, attack and rape the angels that came into um, their city. So that is something that we're seeing. Sexual sin is on a ramp up, wouldn't you say? I mean, they want to teach our four-year-old children they can choose what gender they are at, you know, fourth grade, seven-year-old. I don't know how old they are. But I, I don't care if you're 16. You still don't have the knowledge to clearly make that decision because it, it, it's not something you don't know enough about human anatomy, but they're not teaching it in school. So you don't know enough about sexuality and to make a decision like that. But the people that are teaching them tell them that it's right and it's okay. Why? Because the enemy wants to mess them up. And he's doing a good job of messing people up. He's doing a good job of dividing our country with the people that are, you know, supporting them and the people that are against that. And it's always the same thing. You can look at this group of people and they're all the same people that are for abortion and, and you know, want to see abortion legal because we want to protect the rights of a woman. I protect the rights of a woman until she does something that isn't right. If a woman decides to have an abortion, that's not right because what about the child inside? Oh, but you're a man. You have no say-so. You have no knowledge. I have a knowledge of life. I understand what life is. And so I'm going to defend life always. That's just the way it is. You may have different opinions about this. This isn't a life or death thing. Oh, yes, it is. For a child, it sure is. For, you know, a pregnant mother, it sure is. It's a life or death decision. The choice is made before you get pregnant. Oh, then there's the argument about rape and so on and so forth. Hey, I understand. Anything we can do to mess the truth up, that's what the enemy is going to do. And the enemy is succeeding by far. You know, and we're divided as a country on what is right and wrong. Now, abortion is not the unforgivable sin. I just want you to know that. Divorce is not the unforgivable sin. And many people believe these things. Uh, They believe like when it says, they ate, they drank, they married wives and were given into marriage. What that term actually means is that they repeatedly married, divorced, married, divorced, married given into marriage. It's a cycle is what that's actually talking about. That's not the unforgivable sin. There's one unforgivable sin and that is not receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before you die. That's the unforgivable sin. And so we need to be comforted by that because sometimes 
I feel like, you know what, I've, I've been a pretty rotten person in the past. I don't even feel qualified to come up and teach the word of God because of my past. And it's only because Jesus told me personally through his word that he has forgiven my sin. He didn't forgive most of my sin except for these five. He forgave all of my sin, past, present, and future. And if I can't have confidence in that, none of us can. And so there's nothing for us to be sure of. But the word of God can assure us that we, when we have a relationship with him and invite him into our lives, invite the Holy Spirit to be Lord of our lives, living within us, we can be assured of our salvation. We can be assured that our door is Jesus Christ and that we have access to the throne room of God. Amen? Is that great? So most people want to know specifics. When is this going to happen? In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1, we read, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape it's not us saying peace and safety notice it says for when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction comes upon them when the world says we've elected the correct president we're going to be okay. We have the right guy in place. Every, all of our problems are solved because he is president, so everything's going to be solved. That's when sudden destruction comes. When we put our trust in anyone else other than Jesus, then we're giving our hope away from the hope that's in him to the hope that we put in a human. Don't place your hope in me because you'd be in trouble. No matter who, my children place hope in the fact that when I die, they're going to be rich. They haven't seen my bank account. When I die, they're going to owe money. Uh, but they don't know that yet, and I'm not telling them. Just kidding. Paul is writing to all Christians who are alive up until the time of the rapture. He wasn't sure when it was going to take place. Uh, but he was definite that it was going to happen. Verse 3 tells us that unbelievers believe in this peace and safety and it catches them off guard. And so they're going to miss out because they put their trust and hope in earth. 
We're reminded by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons, and when it says sons, this means sons and daughters. We're all children of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So Paul is now telling us, don't be caught off, off guard. Be ready. You know, some people say, well, you know, the rapture is going to happen mid-trib or post-trib or whatever the case may be. Uh, that, to me, is not a good position to have because I can be ready. You see, I already know when the tribulation starts. It starts when the decree is given for the, the temple to be rebuilt in, in Jerusalem. And that's the marking point of the seven-year tribulation. At mid-trib, when the Antichrist declares himself to be God, that's known as the abomination of desolation, there's 1,290 days left after that day. So now I know when Jesus is coming. 1,290 days after the abomination of desolation. So it can't be post-trib. It can't be mid-trib. So it has to be pre-trib. And that's why I am set on what I believe as a pre-tribulation rapture. That's just one of the reasons. I have many other reasons. Some of them I made up. Like, I don't want to be here. You know? But, you know, we read in Revelation 3.10, it says, but... Because you have kept my commandment to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come on the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Uh, Oh, okay. That's the group I want to be in. I volunteer. Even if I'm in the back of the room, I don't care. I'm I'm with that group. And I, I trust that I can be. Many Christians are not aware of this prophecy because their churches don't teach it. They focus on the gospel, praise the Lord. A lot of them will be caught up in the rapture not knowing that they won't know what to do. Neither will we. But uh, see, but we believe that it's going to happen. They don't know and they're going to be surprised. Cool. It, It will happen either way for anyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. So I don't condemn churches for not teaching it, but I would rather be in a church that teaches the whole word of God so that we're prepared for everything because that's what God tells us to do, to be prepared for his coming. John indicates that the rapture will come in the last days. And we'll be transported to heaven. We'll receive new eternal bodies. Woohoo! You may like your body now, but it's nothing you want to keep for eternity. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, the remainder of the book of Revelation will talk about what happens after the rapture. So. Here's the good news. We're going to talk about all of these events that take place. Some of them are tragic. Some of them are frightening. Even as believers, we can have fear 
for those that are going to experience these things. Because we have many loved ones that don't know Jesus Christ. And they're going to experience many of the things that we're going to be reading through the rest of the book of Revelation. I didn't teach this so that we can put fear into our lives. I read it so that we can have a realistic view of what's going to take place and we will have a lot more empathy for the people that don't know Jesus right now. And we can have a lot more concern for their salvation. You know what? If you go and tell your neighbor, hey, you know, don't talk about the rapture. Talk about the love of Jesus. That's what leads people to repentance. It's the love of God that leads people to repentance. And you tell them that. And when they hear that there was someone that died for them to take away their sin, that's going to make them listen. That's going to prick their heart. That's going to allow the Holy Spirit to have an audience that he didn't have before, maybe. And so we just share the good news because, you know, uh, we want to see them in heaven. I know they're the neighbor that leaves their trash cans out all the time. But you know what? They're, in heaven, someone's going to take care of that. They're not going to be in charge of trash cans in heaven. Maybe they will be. Wouldn't that be cool? So, so pray for them. Share the good news with them. And, um, and then we'll all be ready when the rapture happens. Amen? Father, we thank you that you have shared this with us to prepare us. Lord, not to scare us, but to prepare us. So that when we hear, come up here, when we hear the trumpet, when we hear the sound of your voice, we'll be ready to join you for eternity. And Lord, we do pray for those people in our sphere of influence, the people that we talk to regularly, the people that we see at the store, the people that live next door to us. Lord, may we be the light that you were when you were here on the earth in the form of Jesus, that you drew all people to you. May we do the same as we point people to you. And may they have an opportunity to hear the good news and to believe the good news. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>